Good morning. My name is John Sapika, and I oversee our community life and discipleship. This means I have the joy of partnering with each and every single one of you as you seek to grow as a disciple. And more specifically, I get to encourage you and strengthen you and challenge you to actually make disciples. Zionsville Fellowship, it is so, so good to be with you this morning. Some pastors and theologians think that the future of the American church hinges on one thing in particular, our ability to show simple hospitality. It's probably true from an outreach perspective as we seek to love our neighbors, co-workers, not yet believing family members, or perhaps uh, soccer players internationally. And yet, we live right now in a culture of pitchforks and torches. So I increasingly think the future of Zionsville Fellowship and the long-term perseverance of our church family hinges on something a little bit different. It hinges, I think, on encouragement. The ability to give and receive meaningful encouragement. At all points in human history, in all cultural contexts, there has always been a cost that comes with truly following Jesus. To face suffering and trials is the normative experience. We are a people of the cross, and we walk in the shadow of the cross. In the midst of that kind of reality, as we experience challenges, difficulties, afflictions, trials, we need a more robust grasp of what encouragement is, why it matters, and how it comes about. So today we'll begin a three-week series on this critical concept of encouragement. If you've arrived this morning deeply discouraged, this series is obviously for you. I've been here myself recently, in fact. If your heart feels heavy, weighed down by the complex challenges of life in a broken, fallen world, perhaps due to loss, pain, affliction, this series is also for you. If right now you're in the midst of a season of spiritual dryness or apathy, numbness, frustration, this series is for you. If you're currently disenchanted, saddened, doubtful, defeated, it's for you as well. But if you're thriving, if you're experiencing great intimacy and joy with Jesus, the good news is that this series is still for you. And lastly, if you are a new Christian or a longtime Christian, or if you're a not yet Christian, or if you're not sure if you're a Christian, this series is for you as well. During these next three weeks, the scriptures will clearly and convincingly show us that encouragement is divine refreshment that often comes through ordinary Christians. Divine refreshment through ordinary Christians. And today we'll begin by looking at Romans 15 together. So open your Bibles or turn in your sheets to the front of the song sheet and you'll see Romans 15 verses 1 through 7. And here today, we will see that our God is a God of encouragement. Follow with me as I read from Romans 15, verses 1 through 7. 
We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Let's pray and ask God to expose and encourage our hearts as we look to his precious word together. Father, we we marvel that you are the God of endurance and of encouragement. And yet, if your spirit does not come and cause us to delight in these truths from your word, then my words are worthless. So God, encourage us and challenge us from your word this morning. You intimately know all of our hearts, our life's circumstances, our burdens, our joys, our weaknesses. So speak words of life and hope to us afresh, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Romans 15 clearly states that God is the God of encouragement, a simple and profound reality. We also see that God is the source of all encouragement. God uses means to encourage us. And God encourages us for his glory and for our good. But before we take a deeper look at this text together, I want to be very sure to clearly define encouragement. This is trickier than it might seem at first glance. Why, you ask? Well, sometimes in English, we use the same word in very different ways. Even though one word might have a wide range of possible meanings, we all still intuitively know what the word is meant to mean when people use it. Let me give an example. Run. It's a verb. If I were to say the simple phrase, you should run. What sort of action am I referring to? And how do you know what I'm telling you to do? Well, let me say this. You should run! Okay, so there's probably a monster coming or fire raging or danger looming. That means you should move quickly from the area. Or perhaps if I mentioned Donald Trump and 2024 in the same sentence, you don't think Chicago Marathon, you, sh- you think presidential election. Very different kinds of running, those two, is it not? So it's all the same verb, all commands, but with very different meanings, contexts, implications. The same is true for encouragement in Greek and in English. We use the verb encourage oftentimes as a kinder sort of way to basically tell someone to do something. Hey, ZF, I encourage you to serve on the welcome team. That's me telling you you should do it, not just a, a, a warm and fuzzy way of encouraging you. This is a sort of exhortation, and we all need exhortation, absolutely. And this kind of encouragement, exhortation, leaves us feeling challenged. 
but it probably won't leave us feeling warm and fuzzy inside. But the kind of encouragement before us this morning is more than simply warm and fuzzy. It's more than a momentary sense of consolation or comfort. Encouragement, in fact, that comes from verses 4 and 5, happens when God emboldens, inspires, strengthens believers through divine refreshment. A sort of resurrection-like power that breathes life into the weary and worn-down believer. Encouragement is not just a lovey blanket that a child clings to in order to find comfort after a hard day. Encouragement is not the dessert we eat or movie we watch to cope and momentarily escape from the difficulties of this fallen world. True encouragement is the wind that propels the sails of our lives back into motion after we've come to a halt in the ocean. True encouragement is what resulted from the speech William Wallace gave to the Scottish army before battle. Even better, true encouragement in the Bible is divine refreshment. It has profound power deeply impacting our lives. So let's see how clearly it is that encouragement has a divine source in Romans 15 verses 4 through 5 in particular. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, and so on. The most foundational reality of encouragement is this. Encouragement comes from God. God is the source of encouragement. All encouragement comes from God. This immediately jumps out to us here in verses 4 and 5. And verse 4 makes the link explicit by saying, We have hope. How? Through the encouragement of the scriptures. These scriptures, the very word of God, bring encouragement that leads to hope. And then in verse 5, Paul continues by praying to the God of encouragement. That this God of encouragement would grant certain specific things in the lives of the Roman Christians. Unity between the Jews and Gentiles. Harmony, unity. This is no surprise that encouragement comes from God. We know all things, all good things come from God. Good things like peace, joy, patience, faith, puppies, and encouragement. They all come from God. This might seem simple, even simplistic, but it's vitally important that we understand this. Let's consider four reasons it's important and immensely valuable that God is the source of all encouragement. First, supply. Consider God's supply of encouragement. Because God is the source of all encouragement, we always have boundless supply beyond our need for it. God never grows weary, never grows weary in seeking our good as he refreshes us through his word, as he refuels our weary souls. 
God never runs out of supply. He is not limited in the breadth, width, height, or depth of life-giving realities that might divinely refresh us. God always knows the precise genre and category of life-giving truths that we need. At all times, he has complete access and control over these exact resources, all immediately at his disposal. In quantity and in quality, God's supply of encouragement forever exceeds our need for encouragement. In quantity and in quality, God's supply of encouragement to his people. He does this at exactly the right amount in order to keep us hopeful and humble, strengthened yet weak, dependent, vigorously alive yet dying to ourselves. In sum, there is no shortage of supply of divine encouragement. God has no lack. Second, potency. Consider the potency of God's encouragement. Because God is the source of all encouragement, we have full confidence that God will provide powerful, meaningful, transformative encouragement to us and to others. In fact, the impact of divine refreshment is often disproportionate to our expectations because we can never fully anticipate what God will powerfully do in and through his encouragement. God always provides meaningful, specific refreshment, custom tailored to each individual's needs, deepening its powerful penetration into hearts. God's gift of divine refreshment has life altering transformative power. Encouragement from God forever alters the directions of one's life, whether as an adjustment in mere millimeters or in miles. Across the spectrum of small and large examples of encouragement, all have long-term impact in our life and all whose lives we touch. You probably remember a small phrase from a loved one, a teacher, a friend, a mentor, that they said off the cuff. And those, that short sentence has forever shaped your life. God works in the small things and in the large things. In some, divine refreshment powerfully and effectively transforms its recipients as intended by God's providential kindness. There is no limit to its impact and no hindrance to its success. Third, efficacy. Consider the efficacy of God's encouragement. Because God is the source of all encouragement, he joyfully, readily, and effectively sends encouragement wherever it's needed. God does not lack wisdom or strength to take words that are spoken or read, and he uses them to pierce even the dullest, frailest, coldest heart. Divine refreshment is most certainly effective to accomplish the purposes God intends for it to accomplish. And God never has issues like we have with miscommunication that might lead to misunderstanding. He communicates the precise message he intends for us to receive. So we receive the exact message God knows will give the intended renewal he wants to give. Fourth, we have the timing of encouragement. Consider the timing of God's encouragement. Because God is the source of all encouragement. I hope you've caught that by now. 
We always receive divine refreshment at the precise time God intends in accordance with his perfect wisdom and sovereign plan. God's endless supply of encouragement would diminish in its effectiveness and power if it weren't for his sovereign timing of its delivery. God always sends relief to our weary souls at just the right time of our desperation. Never too soon, lest we fail to learn the lessons he intends, and never too late, lest we risk abandoning hope in him altogether. God rightly dispenses encouragement to his people in his perfect timing, and we are right to take note and marvel at his kindness in doing so. God never strengthens us with the comfort and courage of divine refreshment unless the timing is right. If we've been encouraged by God through his word or through his people, it's precisely because God gave it to us for our good, for his glory in that moment. There are no missteps in God's delivery of encouragement. He sends it to every one of his children at the perfect time, always. Always. Now, a quick caveat. Many of us will likely experientially lack encouragement in seasons of spiritual dryness, desert seasons, seasons of seemingly endless affliction or trials or discouragement. The reality that God is a God of encouragement This assurance of divine refreshment, this does not necessarily mean that our dry experiences prove that God is unhappy with us or absent-mindedly neglecting us. Perhaps he is withholding the downpour of his divine refreshment for a future day, refining and testing you and me as we wait. Because God is the source of all encouragement, we need not look within ourselves or desperately search for special, precise words to magically unlock the human heart that's in need of encouragement. We can go to the source. We can cry out to God in prayer. We can look to God in his word. We can listen to God through his people and see God's work in his people. Even the most optimistic person among us needs a daily supply of divine refreshment. At the end of the day, all Christians, you, me, we are beggars. Desperately depending on God to nourish and satisfy our thirsty souls. We might find ourselves panting for God like a deer yearns for water. That is precisely the kind of disposition God delights to see forged in our hearts. That's the kind of posture he delights to bless with the gift of divine refreshment. If that's where you are, you're in a good place. And if you're not yet a Christian, or if you're not sure that you're a Christian, you do not merely need encouragement, you need life. God offers this life to you now through Jesus, a life of hope, joy, peace, uh, and love in the face of all of life's highs and lows. And God can give this life to you if you repent of your sin, trust in Jesus, 
He died for our sins, not just to encourage us, but to reconcile us with God. So clearly there are profoundly positive benefits to God's fountain-like overflowing of encouragement. It's truly good news to us that all true encouragement comes from the one true God. However, we fail to take full advantage of giving and receiving this divine refreshment if we do not recognize or appreciate the next detail in the passage. The detail? God uses specific means to give encouragement. We must take proper advantage of the means God uses to give encouragement. So the second most foundational reality of encouragement is this. God uses means to encourage us. In fact, God actually accomplishes his supernatural work through specific methods. Unfortunately, divine refreshment does not come to us in the form of a beverage we eat or beverage we drink or food we eat, as nice as that may be. But God accomplishes his purposes in encouragement using means. God uses specific, tangible methods to bring about the encouragement he delights to give us. So let's spend some time demystifying how God brings this about. By no means does our look into the means reduce the profoundly supernatural source of encouragement. It actually heightens our appreciation and awareness of God's work in encouragement. Think of it like, Watching Bob Ross paint happy little trees. We can all watch Bob while he mixes paint using different tools and techniques to then create a beautiful landscape of mountains and happy little ponds. But as he breaks down each component, he makes painting look so easy until we try to do it ourselves. And then our appreciation for his skillful mastery of his craft actually deepens. And at the same time, his model grants us the opportunity to slowly hone our own painting skills. And it's true for us in the same way with encouragement. As we begin to understand the means God uses to bring about encouragement in his people, we begin to slowly hone our own awareness, appreciation, and skillfulness in encouragement. So in Romans 15 and elsewhere in Romans, Paul makes it clear that the triune God works through his word and through his people to give encouragement. We'll see in Romans 15 verses 3 through 6, the triune nature of encouragement. For Christ, in verse 3, did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Shortly thereafter in verse 13, Paul says another sort of prayer wish, and he says, May the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Spirit you may abound in hope. The Father fills with hope. How? Through the Spirit. Hope comes through the Spirit. And then in 30 through 33 in chapter 15, Paul appeals to the Roman Christians by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed by your company. May the God of peace be with you all. There is Trinitarian encouragement in this. The triune God is the one who uses means to encourage us. Each member of the Trinity plays important roles in bringing us divine refreshment today. The first means is through God the Father. Have you ever been encouraged by the words of Scripture themselves? Perhaps by the words of a preacher or a friend. Perhaps by the words or actions of another believer. That encouragement came from God. It was planned by the Father. The Sovereign Lord who knows all. Who knows all of our life circumstances and details. Who knows every facet of our complex heart. The Father fills us so that we would abound in hope. Hope that comes from the encouragement of the scriptures. The second means God uses is through his son, through his word. This God-given divine refreshment was purchased by God the Son, King Jesus. In verse 3, we read Psalm 69, that Jesus did not live to please himself, but took our reproaches upon himself at the cross. The Bible, the whole Bible, Old and New Testament, capture written record in theological reflection of Jesus' death and resurrection, unpacking how the Old Testament all points to Jesus, all for our instruction, and all so that this encouragement about Jesus, God's Son, would give us hope. Jesus purchases our encouragement on the cross, and he gives us his spirit to deliver it to the doorstep of our hearts. The third means is that God works through his spirit, through the lives of his people. All encouragement arrives to us through the gift of the spirit, who also empowered the messenger who brought you that encouragement. Look again at verses 30 through 33, if you have your Bibles open. Paul hopes that by God's will, he may come to the Roman Christians with joy and be refreshed in their company. God will refresh Paul through the Roman Christians, assuming this, assuming that God's spirit does the work, the miraculous work of preserving and deepening the reality of unity between the Jews and Gentiles in Rome, all before Paul arrives. This is also true in Paul's letter earlier. Earlier he writes to the Christians at Rome, he says, I long to see, I long to see you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, what what does it mean to be strengthened by his presence and by their presence? What's the spiritual gift? That we might be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, yours and mine. 
The fact is that God uses means to bring about divine encouragement to his people. And this motivates us to pursue these means. In other words, we should make fresh effort to see and savor King Jesus as revealed throughout the Old and New Testaments. Do you want to be divinely refreshed this morning? I hope your answer is yes. And if it is yes, open your Bibles and read. Read the Psalms. Take five minutes. Read Psalm 69. Read just a few verses in a psalm. Are you spiritually dull or dry? Where else can you go but to this place to receive God-given encouragement? In my decade or so of being a Christian, I've had seasons where I spent hours each week in the Word, lapping up every drop of divine refreshment given to me through the Word. Where else could I have gone for that? Nowhere but the Word. I've had other seasons where I spent hours each week in the Word, longing for God to awaken my dry, weary, dull, cold, cold heart to no avail. But where else can I go? Nowhere but the Word. I've had seasons where I spent minutes, barely minutes in the Word each day, and God has been gracious to meet me in those moments, providing the much-needed soul refreshment, even if I barely touched the fringes of the garment of God's Word. I've also had countless days where these few minutes felt wasted, wondering, questioning, God, do you still speak to me today? But where else can we go for divine refreshment? Nowhere but the Word. Brothers and sisters, no matter the season you're in, pick up your Bible. Read. Read for the divine refreshment we all so desperately need and yearn for. At the same time, God gives encouragement to his people as his spirit works through the hearts of his people. Such encouragement actually is not yours to keep to yourself. Encouragement should never end with me or with you. We'll look at this idea in more detail over the next two weeks, but in brief, I like to think about it like this. I want to spit on as many of you as possible. So whenever I hope to serve as a vessel of refreshment, I think about spitting on you. I'm sorry, but I do. Spit is simply a gross but memorable acronym, okay? The best words of encouragement we can give others include specific, personal instances of transformation. Spit. Words that give meaningful encouragement to others often include specific affirmations of God's great at work in that person's life that you're hoping to encourage. Paul does this all of the time in every single one of his letters. One example, Romans 15, verses 13 through 14. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And he says this in verse 14, to encourage them. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full from God by the Spirit. You are full of goodness, filled by the Spirit with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Paul is encouraged by the Roman Christians' fullness of their goodness and their knowledge and their ability to instruct one another. 
So Paul spits on them. May we all spit more on each other, looking for specific, personal instances of transformative grace in our lives. And then we verbally share that with the other person. And lastly, we need to recognize the broad scope of encouragement. God gives encouragement for his glory and for our good. Most practically, encouragement does not end with you or with me. Look again at verses 3 through 7 in Romans 15. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, so that you together may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. We're not given divine refreshment merely for our own personal benefit. Though we most certainly do benefit, but God gives us encouragement so that he would be glorified and his people, plural, would benefit. In verse 4, we see that we benefit from a Christ-centered reading of the Old Testament. The Bible given to us for our instruction so that the encouragement from the Bible leads to hope. This encouragement from the scriptures continues beyond mere encouragement for us and develops into a concrete form of hope in our lives. But even better, in verse 5, Paul then says that this divine encouragement leads to a unified harmony between the Jews and the Gentiles in Rome. May the God of encouragement then grant you to live in such harmony, in unity with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus. When you are encouraged, it's a lot easier to be unified. In other words, limiting ourselves to just this text, we see that God encourages us for his glory and for the good of our people, his people collectively. Encouragement is from God, purchased by Jesus, given through the spirit, comes to us through the word for God's glory. So we've done some deep thinking on encouragement so far. Let's take a moment to breathe and let's compare encouragement to, say, a glass of ice-cold lemonade. We have it on the service guide, the, the visual there. Far too often, I'm afraid many of us think of encouragement just as the sugar in the lemonade. The sugar that fights off the sour lemon's life. But in real life, we often give half-hearted compliments that we then use to prepare a, a nearby critique or exhortation. Maybe you've heard of the sandwich technique where you share something positive, something critical, and then something positive again. Personally, I think such a method is essentially a sort of sugar to help the medicine go down. You know that the criticism's coming because you've heard the positive thing and then the positive thing at the end kind of is tacked on, right? But today we've seen that encouragement's far more essential and far more valuable than just sugar and lemonade. It's more than just the ice that cools the water down. Think of encouragement as the actual ice-cold water that makes lemonade refreshing. True encouragement does not ignore the value of these other components, the sugar, the lemon, the ice. But encouragement is far more central and essential in the way we speak with our brothers and sisters in the faith. It's worth reflecting on our own ratio between exhortation and encouragement. Uh, 
the ratio in my own marriage, I have to remember it has to be more than one to one. And whether you're in a season of life akin to lounging on a beautiful beach, or if you find yourself hot, worn down in a, a dry desert, a nice tall glass of encouraging lemonade will always give crisp refreshment that quenches our thirst. This morning, we've enjoyed a deep dive into the divine aspects of encouragement. We cherish that God is the source of all encouragement. He is the supplier of it. He gives it powerfully, effectively, at perfect timing. And he exceeds our wildest expectations in how he gives divine refreshment. But it gets better. Most fortunately, God uses means to bring about divine refreshment. We aren't left wondering how God brings encouragement to us. The Father, Son, and Spirit work together through truths about Jesus in his word to encourage us. After which, the Spirit then empowers us, believers, to serve as messengers of encouragement to each other. And best of all, you all, me, we're all invited exhorted and empowered to participate in this beautiful spreading of divine refreshment. We can spit on each other, observing, sharing specific personal instances of transformation. Let us stand here in a moment and we'll pray through a song about glorifying God. And as we do so, let's be encouraged and let's give encouragement to each other through the unified raising of our voices. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this morning, for the gift of your word, for refreshment through your word. We always need more of your grace. We are needy beings. So we ask even now as we sing together with unified voices, you would encourage us all. In Jesus' name, amen.